Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, I'm Janet, a yogi, meditator, plant-forward eater, and all-around wellness enthusiast. As a second-generation Asian-American woman who has and continues to manage periods of anxiety, depression, burnout, and stress, I often find myself experimenting with Western health trends against the context of the Eastern philosophies I was raised with. Join me as I explore different health and wellness topics to enrich my own ever-evolving personal practices and in turn, hopefully benefit some of you in your own journeys to living well. Hi everyone, welcome back to Living Well with Janet. Around this time last year, I was just beginning the process of freezing my eggs. Now, I shared my experience pretty extensively on the main ABG podcast, once in episode 183, Janet's egg freezing journey, giving yourself time to start a family, where I went into a lot of detail about why I decided to freeze my eggs and pretty much every step of the way what I experienced. We also released episode 208, Checking In with Janet Six Months Post-Egg Retrieval, and this is where I had additional reflections on the experience and went through more of the emotional aspects and some of the physical effects afterwards. So if you want the full story of my experience, you can check out episode 183 and episode 208 of our main show, ABG. But in this episode of Living Well with Janet, I want to offer a shorter, brief, and more concise, almost like a checklist of ways that I prepared my body for egg freezing. Now, I want to emphasize that everything I'm about to share is based on my own personal experience, based on my own personal health, and uh, the specific clinic that I went to see. So I really encourage you to speak with the doctor to figure out your individual case and needs based off of your health and your fertility goals. I also want to note that I am not giving medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not qualified to do that. I'm just sharing with you what I did for my personal journey of egg freezing. The first thing that I did to prepare for my egg freezing journey was track my period. 
I had already been doing this for a couple of years now through an app called Flow. I know that there are a bunch more out there, but basically I had a record of, you know, the first date of my period and the last day of my period going back for the last like many, many months. And if you haven't been tracking your period prior to this process, you definitely need to track it while you're going through this process because your period is an indicator for when you need to start going in to begin your medication treatment. Now, talking about specific days, uh, you also will receive a medication schedule, which is, you know, based on any specific day, what medications you should be taking, what time of day, and the instructions. If I could do this over, I would probably get a more extensive planner where I could take down notes. I was just using my period tracking app, my notes app, and my Google Calendar, uh, which you can do if you, you know, maybe, maybe the notes app is enough for you, but I think it would be helpful to have some sort of like calendar and then a place to take notes after each visit that you go to and to be able to see upcoming dates to arrange your surgery, which is what the egg retrieval is. The second thing that I want to talk about in terms of preparing my body for egg freezing is the food that I ate. The clinic that I went to suggested eating a healthy diet of fruits and vegetables before going through this process and also during it. They especially recommended that I eat blackberries, blueberries, and strawberries. I believe this is because berries are high in antioxidants, which is very good for your body in fighting off stress. So I was making morning smoothies with berries. I was adding blueberries to my breakfast oatmeal. I was snacking on strawberries and blackberries throughout the day or after dinner. When it came to the fruits that I ate, I tried to supplement for berries more often than not. They also recommended eating less red meat. For me, because I don't eat red meat in general, I was following that already. They also recommended using olive oil for food preparation, as well as adding avocados and nuts to the diet for monosaturated fat. So I was getting my fill of avocado toasts and also using almond nut butter on in my oatmeals and sometimes making almond butter and banana toasts, which are delicious. So those were some of the foods I focused on, berries, olive oils, avocados, nuts, uh, and they recommended trying to avoid trans fats, which are like donuts, pastries, fast foods. Now, not gonna lie, I still like my occasional Taco Bell and I will still have pastries here and there. I just, you know, made it a habit to not have it regularly. I also tried to lessen the amount of alcohol that I was having. I still was having a few glasses of red wine every week, but I made a deliberate effort to try to keep it on the lower end. In terms of food, there are two other points in this process where um, they had some interesting recommendations. One was to eat watermelon the night before the egg retrieval procedure. Now, this is because the egg retrieval is an actual surgery, so eating watermelon helps to hydrate you and makes your veins more visible, so it should be easier for them to poke you and fine for the IV, so I tried to, I tried to do that. And also after the procedure, because you've just had something done to your abdominal area, you will feel kind of sore and somewhat like bloated. So they suggested avoiding carbohydrates and sugars, which could potentially make you more bloated and just generally uncomfortable. So watermelon before the procedure, avoiding carbohydrates and sugar after the procedure. In terms of exercise, when I reflect back, I think that the physical activity was less about being in a particular state of fitness and more about making sure that you were managing your stress. 
So I thought that was interesting to keep in mind, whether you're somebody who, you know, is more into moderate exercise, more into intense exercise, whatever you do, I would suggest focusing more on stress management than on getting into great physical shape. And if you are someone who is very regimented about your fitness or has a very intense fitness routine schedule, be aware that for about a week after the procedure, they recommend that you don't do any intense exercise. So know that that might disrupt your routine a bit, especially if you're going to go through multiple cycles of egg retrieval. Just be prepared that, um, that you'll have to take some time off. In addition to food and exercise, I also took a daily prenatal vitamin. I already generally take a multivitamin, but I just switched it out and chose a prenatal. Specifically, I looked for one with folic acid and DHA because they do recommend um, upping the amount of folic acid. However, it's pretty much generally present in most prenatal and multivitamins. There were also a number of other vitamins that they recommended but were not required. For example, for women over age 37, they recommend taking, uh, adding omega-3s in the form of fish oil to your diet. So I was taking between 500 and 1,000 milligrams of fish oil daily. There's also a focus on increasing the amount of antioxidants that you're putting into your system. So that's 500 to 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, coenzyme Q10, 200 milligrams about three times per day, which is a superior antioxidant that helps to promote cognitive function and boost your energy and your endurance. Um, Another thing is green tea. Green tea is high in antioxidants. So they were recommending one to three cups per day. So I was drinking that in the form of like a morning matcha and sometimes one or two cups of tea during the day. Additionally, they recommended L-arginine, one to two grams to support blood and vascular function daily. And lastly, I was also taking DHEA, 25 milligrams, three times per day to help manage mood and stress. Now, I want to emphasize again that what I went through is not a prescription that I'm suggesting that you guys definitely have to take. Now, this was something that my clinic provided to me based on my age and my health situation and my fertility goals. So definitely check in with the doctor before you figure out uh, what it is that works for you. But just as a reference point, those are some of the vitamins and supplements that I was taking. The other thing that I changed up was my night cream routine. So it turns out that one of my night creams had retinol in it, um, which is pretty common. I think it helps with like Uh, wrinkles, but retinol is something that you generally want to avoid if you're doing things dealing with your fertility. So I paused that and just kind of replaced it with a general nightly moisturizer during that time. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another thing that I did to help me along in my egg freezing process was having a support system. I think this is something that is so important and yet so easy to gloss over. I did this in a number of ways. One, I was working with a therapist and had sessions weekly. So I'd been speaking with my therapist all throughout my decision-making process to freeze my eggs, as well as while I was preparing for it and going through the procedures. It's helpful to just have someone to check in with. And especially because oftentimes when a woman is going through freezing their eggs, you're probably also going through, I don't know, thoughts around your future life planning, family planning. Maybe you have a partner, maybe you don't, maybe you're thinking about marriage, maybe you're not. But when it comes to fertility, it brings up all of these other much more significant and complicated topics around life that can be very helpful to have a therapist to help you work through some of that. Additionally, I had told all of my close friends and family that I was going through this process of freezing my eggs. Now, of course, it's definitely up to you as an individual who you want to share this with, but I found that for me, it helped me that the people close in my life knew that I was going through an extra sensitive time, that I might not be as responsive to certain things, that I might call on them for extra support. And because I told people that I was going through this, it created this nice, like, system where people would check in with me and ask me how it's going and it really forced me to talk about it which forced me to process it and to kind of like just be aware of how I was feeling and how I was doing just by talking about it out loud. Now if you're someone who doesn't want to share a lot and you don't want to tell a lot of people that you're doing this I think that's totally fine but it's definitely important to at least have one person who knows that you're doing this especially because On the day of the retrieval, you are going through surgery, so you will need someone to pick you up because you're going to be, you know, a little bit drugged up. You need someone to get you home safely and to make sure that you're okay in that first 24 hours. So, you know, you don't have to tell a lot of people, but at least have one person who knows. For me, all of my friends and family pretty much knew that I was going through this, but my sister was someone that I talked to more and also one of my very close friends who was going through IVF and had a direct understanding of all the things that I was going through and could provide guidance and and support. Another way that I prepared for egg freezing was to talk to people who have gone through it. I was lucky that I had a very close friend in my life who had just gone through the first half of IVF, which is pretty much the same as the egg freezing procedure. But I had also talked with two to three other friends who had gone through it and heard about their experiences. And if you don't know someone personally, you know, there are YouTube videos and TikTok videos, all all this information that's out there for you to help get a sense of what you should expect. Now, of course, take everything with a grain of salt because there's a lot of information out there doesn't mean that all of it is the most accurate or that it'll be reflective of your experience. But I think generally speaking, it's good to get a couple of stories in line so that you kind of have an idea of what to expect in all the different stages to come. Now, more specifically, I think it was also very important that I understood that freezing my eggs was not a guarantee 
that if and when I wanted to use them, they would be viable and they would turn into actual embryos and a baby. That was something that my doctor and my clinic made very clear to understand that this is something I'm doing to provide me some peace of mind and insurance, but it is also not a full-on medical guarantee that you know these eggs will turn into viable embryos and will turn into a baby. So that is definitely something to keep in mind is that what you're going through and what you're doing is to provide you insurance, but it's not 100% guaranteed. Another way to prepare for egg freezing is to consider the financial aspect. Now, most insurances I hear do not cover or provide benefits uh, around egg freezing. Still, however, I would recommend that you check. So even though I knew this, I still looked up the phone number on the back of my insurance card and I called in, I asked them just to double, double confirm because you don't know, you never know, right? Additionally, if you work for a company or organization, you can check in to see if they offer any benefits. Now, I know that this is also uh, generally more rare, but there are companies out there who will provide subsidies or assistance for fertility-related procedures. Additionally, the clinic you're going to generally will have financing options. So that's something to ask about always is, are there ways that they can help subsidize your costs? Um, what are there ways that they can help support you in financing this procedure? Moreover, there are other financial assistance programs out there. Um, I applied to Reunite Assist, that's R-E-U-N-I-T-E-R-X.com, as well as FertilitySavings.com. You fill in some of your details, and if you qualify, they can also provide some uh, subsidies for either the medication or different costs associated with the procedure. This is not a cheap endeavor to go through, so it helps to provide some peace of mind for this process when you go through and check to make sure to see if there are ways that you can lighten the financial load. So those are some of the things that I did to prepare for egg freezing around the foods that I ate, the ways that I track my period, ways that I exercise, supplements I took, the support systems that I sought out, how I mentally prepared, and ways that I made sure I was ready financially. I hope that if you are going through the process of freezing your eggs right now or that you're thinking about it, that you found this episode helpful. Um, if you know someone who is going through the process or is thinking about it, I would so appreciate if you'd pass this episode along to them. And if you are someone who has also gone through the process of freezing their eggs, I would so appreciate if you would share with me some of your tips in the comments of this episode. This episode was to provide you with a shorter checklist of things that I did to prepare my body for egg freezing. However, if you want the full story, you can check out episode 183 and episode 208 on the main ABG podcast. Once again, this is your host, Janet. I can also be found on Asian Boss Girl, the podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman with my good friends, Helen and Mel, who are also hosting their own shows, which you can catch on the same feed, new episodes every Tuesday. You can follow ABG on Instagram at Asian Boss Girl and me, Janet, at Janet W. That's Janet, the word double, and the letter U. 